Welcome to the Good Listening To Show on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. The feel-good show that brings you The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, some Shakespeare and a cake. So yes, who are you, what's your story and what life's lessons learned along your way would you like to share with us? So, welcome to a GLT with me CG, see what I'm doing there and we're recording. So, hello, hurrah and good morrow. This is another episode of the Good Listening To show on UK Health Radio and the Good Listening To podcast space as well. And your life and times with me, Chris Grimes, is a sort of subheading of all of that. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the Good Listening To and Life and Times with Chris Grimes clearing uh, the lovely Vanessa Bailey from Nine Yards Films. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. And who we have in common is the lovely William Goodchild or Will Goodchild, who in both of our lives has done music for our various filmscapes. And one of the things I was really excited when Will said, oh, you should speak to Vanessa, is the fact that you two work in the creative endeavour and you're a power of optimism, a, a galvanizer of others. And, you know, we, you're doing the same thing of, of pushing into a creative sphere. And um, a quick connection. There's a lovely quote that I want to anchor what we're going to talk about as well, which is um, writing a book of poetry is like throwing a rose petal into the Grand Canyon and awaiting an echo. Hurrah. So we'll just let that float there. I love that. And will we get an echo? So you're extremely welcome, Vanessa. So how's morale? How's your story of the day? Story of the day? Oh, Oh, was I expecting that one? Um, what sort of story would you like, Chris? Just a general... Just I don't mean once upon a time. I just mean how's morale, what's on your plate? Today, today, oh, today is all about creating stories, as it always is. <laughs> I, have, I have three stories on the go. So my head is in three story spaces, which is lovely. And it's, it's, you know, it's not early in the day, but it's the beginning of the day. And I'm looking forward to... Um, I just, I always wake up looking forward now that's not entirely true I don't always wake up looking forward to the day but I always wake up thinking there's some stuff to embrace here so let's carpe, embrace it. carpe diem and implying <laughs> right. there that you're not lying face down normally when you when you wake up you're looking at the world saying bring it on no, no it's, it's normally I'm normally woken up to the sort of the cacophony of hungry dogs so it's not a massively glamorous awakening but <laughs> that's <laughs> but a great it, story it's very efficient the cacophony <laughs> of hungry dogs we yes have. it's a film isn't it yes so i'm about to take you through the storytelling metaphors and the lovely bouncy journey of the of this show where the clearing is first then we have a tree within your clearing then there's some alchemy some gold some shakespeare and a cake so it's all to play for so <laughs> before i get you into the clearing if someone doesn't have any immediate frame of reference i know we've got will goodchild in common if we've all experienced this but if someone turns to us at a dinner party or somewhere like that and says oh hello what do you do? I know it's a horrible, clunky question, but in life, we all have to cope with that. So what's your favourite way of answering or avoiding that question? Vanessa Bailey. Um, so I 
I usually say I'm an actress and then go, oh, which I've been told lots of times not to do. <laughs> so I usually go, so, but actually it works really well. I usually go, oh, I'm Vanessa, I'm an actress, oh. And then people say, oh, why did you go, oh? And then that's the start of the conversation that I find then quite interesting. So that's what I do, yeah. And what do you normally say when they say, why did you go, oh? Because I quite like that. <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> Oh, there's the cheese. Um, so I say, well, I'm kind of an actress, but I'm also a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of the other and a bit of a jack of all trades. What do you do? <laughs> and then, yeah. Hurl the ball back. Love that. Hurl the ball back very quickly. <laughs> so I know that you're a producer, a director, an actress uh, with a, a lovely sort of curriculum vitae. We can invite you to um, have a look at your URLs towards the end of the show here. So let's get cracking on the uh, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes, here in the Good Listening to clearing so what is first of all a clearing metaphorically or literally like for you mm. where do you go Vanessa to get clutter free inspirational and able to think it's a really I love this question because I have a, I have probably have more than one clearing but certainly one one clearing would be um it's very in- <laughs> one clearing is true I was thinking about this and one clearing was definitely my subconscious which sounds like a it sounds like an, a weird uh, answer to a question, but the way I wrote bus stop was definitely there was a huge clearing there, but I didn't realise it was a clearing until I'd started um, uh, utilising it. So the clearing in that particular um, instance was um, insomnia and a subconscious thing that needed to be written, and that was my clearing. But other times it will be certainly in the writing process. It's it, my clearing will be a deadline. <laughs> like, oh, yes. I've got a rewrite to do, and I embrace. I'm working with a director at the moment on one of my scripts that he's going to direct soon. And the clearing for me then is like I need another rewrite, and then I will embrace that. I assume as a mathematician embraces a, an equation that they find quite challenging, I will just embrace it and go right here we go, and that's my clearing. It just basically. And I love the sort of creative tension in that. There's even The Bus Stop. I know that's your award-winning film of late, of many projects you have on the boil. But Bus Stop of itself is a place where people wait. So I like that because there's a sort of holding station of the waiting at a bus stop Mm. or the waiting. Yes, exactly. And I think that's where the subconscious is so clever is that I don't consciously um, write all those layers in, but I think your subconscious does do that. It imbibes your work with whatever it is that has been the catalyst for the work and that the work needs to say. It's a terribly clever thing, the subconscious, yeah. And was it the dead of night that gave you the idea of the bus stop as the waiting station or were you at a bus stop having the idea about the bus stop and what might happen there and um, dramatically? Um, so... Uh, I didn't know what I was writing when I started writing it. I literally just start. I just, I, I couldn't sleep. So I thought, what can I do to stop, to calm my brain? I'll write something to, to give, to give my, my, my active brain a focus rather than it just going round and round like this. And then when I got, so I just put a man and a woman together in a place where they couldn't escape, where they, they had to stay. Um, but in a sort of neutral way that had some ambiguity. Yeah. And I gave him a line and then I gave her a line and, and then the conversation. And I got to the end of the film and I said, oh, it's about that. I yeah. didn't realise that's what it was about. That's why I couldn't sleep. 
And again, interesting, it's about morning pages and the idea of just getting your thinking to just dump onto a piece of paper. So in terms of a healthy mindscape. um, It's I think what's really important is abandon the fear of writing or doing whatever it is you're creating. Abandon the fear of doing it badly and just do it. Allow yourself the space to just get it out there and then refine from there. And it's quite a good way of or strategy to overcome insomnia as well. The idea of, OK, I, I am active. I am. My mind is busy. So let me get give up and give it a bit of an application. Absolutely. It was it was an incredibly uh, productive. I mean, I just thought this is fantastic because I went from anxiety to triumph in a way, you know, that I produced something from this. Uh, it was and then I showed it to my husband the next day and he said, you have to make that. <laughs> Really? <laughs> There's a lovely adage about creativity, about if you have ideas that are creative, get rid of them. No, 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 they're time consuming. Just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Push them away. Delegate them. But if you can't push them away, if you can't delegate them, if they keep coming back to you like boomerangs, then I guess they're yours and you should get on with them. Yes. And that's the only way that I can make stuff is when I don't have the option not to make it, because otherwise I don't think there's any point. If it's not keeping you awake at night, if it's not making your pulse rate race that a little bit faster, if it's not um, burning a hole in your heart, it's not going to do it to whoever it is you want to present that idea to either. So there's probably not much point doing it because it's so much hard work. So, yeah, absolutely, Chris, it's like you find that that niggle that won't let you go and go and go with it. And it is about agitating our thinking to be creative. I mean, I find that very relatable because I, I have had the weirdest sleep rhythms over the pandemic. But even, you know, what I'm doing now, this creative spark of, you know, the life and times of me, Chris Grimes, in this space, this came about out of adversity. And I just <coughs> couldn't get rid of it at, in the dark hours of the morning. So that's very, very relatable. Well, that's a classic place for artists to work from, isn't it? <laughs> from time immemorial, you know, not not ne- your work, your best work. I don't think necessarily comes from a place of comfort. Yes. I think it comes from a place of travel and journey and wrestling and self-discovery. I think that's, and I think why art is so helpful is that it helps us to embrace and process that in a way that we still feel in control of and yeah. can have some kind of license over, but it also helps us to process yes. something that needs looking at. Yeah. Magically. Right. Famous and salubrious company because apocryphally I heard the lovely story. I think it's true where Sting woke up one day and just wrote during the adversity of a divorce, um, every breath you take. Just oh. I just woke up and sort of dumped it on a bit of paper. The rest is history. Mm. As is your bus stop, madam, if I may say so. Have <laughs> won some awards. Hurrah! So um, we're in your clearing then, which is um, either in the dead of night within your dreamscape or it's the bus stop, you can decide, where am I going to turn up a bit waiting for Godot-esque? Where am I going to turn up and rustle the foliage of a tree with you? Where would you like me to turn up? Um, I think people, people is the thing that rustles my tree. I'm just trying to work out where I'm going to turn up physically with my tree in the street. Oh, with your tree. Oh, which so tree? I'm either uh, at your bus stop or, or in the dead of night next to your bed with a tree. I'm coming I, to the tree. I think in the dead of night, yes. So yes. in comes, if you pardon the slight intrusion, but I promise you where I am, with a tree. I have, so I'm waking you up. Here we yeah. are in the dead of night in that wonderful creative scape. I like this. It's got a sort of night, night shoot ambience to it. 
I like that. So I'm going to shake your tree now to see, first yeah. of all, um, this is the five, four, three, two, one, four things that have mm-hmm. shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention. And one quirky or unusual fact about you. Don't worry. You don't have to shake the tree in a wanna, but these are your apples to crunch on as you see fit. So how would you first like to interpret the four things that have shaped you, please, Vanessa Bailey? <laughs> The four things that have shaped me, um, without a shadow of a doubt, it's a slightly, you know, it, my mum. My mum, um, uh, through my experience of unconditional love, and I think the experience of unconditional love is an incredibly powerful thing, so that, that, that would be the first one. The second one, going, <laughs> moving <laughs> from the wonderful, you know, bliss of unconditional love to um, grief and loss, um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't so much, that, that just rewrites you a little bit, I think. And if you don't mind me asking, are those two related? Is your mum yeah. still with us? Or? No, no. So I lost both my parents very close together about six, almost six years ago now. Mm. Yeah. So, and that rewrote me on a, on a, on a, on a fundamental level. So, so those two things, definitely. I mean, my dad was lovely as well, but my mum was incredibly, was my best friend. So, yeah, so those two are very, very intertwined. Um, the third one is, is all a bit from family-based, but it's my husband, <laughs> um, because he's just incredible. Um, the fourth one, I think this is a really interesting one. I was thinking about this. Um, <clears throat> the stories of historic sacrifice, you know, people who have sacrificed historically um, really profoundly affect me. Um, and I don't mean necessarily in the, in the normal way. You know, you think about oh, the world wars and things like that, and you think, oh, that was sacrifice. But I think about the sacrifices within that sacrifice. And so you feel have. you've been shaped by other yes. people's legacies in that way? Yes, it's sort of like standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, yeah, with you. That, yeah. that kind of um, that kind of sense of what of the potential of humanity, I think, shapes me to maintain that hope that humanity can remain like that because we're all going through like a weird time at the moment Mm. with lots of um, manifestations of humanity every day passing through our media. But I think when you look back through history, one of the consistencies is that good people do amazing things um, and and make amazing sacrifices um, for the sake of often people they don't even know or yeah. don't yet know. And I find that incredibly, um, profoundly, um, it's almost like I feel that there's a sense of responsibility to grasp that um, opportunity if it comes your way, or at least to constantly remember it and honour it. Yeah. And by the way, the, the idea of good people doing good things, I heard the most profound, beautiful short story of truth the other day where apparently in in the current current times in which we experienced someone was absolutely in floods of tears at their steering wheel at some traffic lights oh. and the lights had gone to red so life had turned to red and they then looked to their right and someone was watching them from their adjacent car and apparently the woman all they did was mouth the words everything's going to be okay yeah. and the lights changed yeah. and then the traffic moved on but I just thought that was such a lovely idea of the idea of being truly present to another human being's adversity whilst you sit alongside it exactly exactly and that that moment that you describe Chris is that powerful combination of being present and hearing someone and 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 sort of 
feeling that someone is sharing in your in your pain and not dismissing it and not you know ignoring it but just yeah that someone's taking that time I think also in that you know we all live in a world that's conditioned to be extremely busy now and so it's incredibly moving when someone takes the time to connect with you and to notice you you know yeah that fundamental truth is all we all want actually is to be seen, to be valued, yes. to be noticed, and to be appreciated. And that, yes. that was just a, a lovely moment of presence in, yeah. in the story, I think. Um, you may get on to who specifically has inspired you in that idea of humanity and legacy when we get on to the three things that inspire you. Um, so uh, I think we've finished the four things that have shaped you. So now let's get on to the three things that inspire you. Mm. So definitely one of the things that inspires me is great leadership. And that probably means different things to different people, but I know a great leader when I see one. <laughs> and um, by virtue of the fact that they're a great leader, they, they inspire people. So I think that's, um, that's um, yeah, great leadership is just a very powerful, powerful thing. And I don't necessarily mean obvious showing leadership. I mean, showy, ostentatious. I mean, good leadership that empowers people and recognizes people's talents and facilitates them um, being able to bloom. And, you know, that kind of leadership is the kind of leadership that I find incredibly. Any specific um, illustrations of that that really capture your imagination? Well, and, and that this might cross over, actually, but, but <laughs> this, this doesn't sound like someone that you would think would be a leader. My piano teacher, my, my, my piano teacher was a leader. He was a leader of children. Um, he led them individually and he led them as a group and he inspired every single one of us to come together and produce the very best music that we possibly could, but also to understand that all those limitations that, um, and he had a very diverse range of pupils, very, very diverse and, and, and deliberately so, he would take all of us and just do what we would now call referring to breaking through the glass ceiling. <laughs> but I mean, in those days, you didn't have glass ceilings. Um, you didn't have the jargon. But he would literally say, here's what you think you can do. Here's how you're going to do it. And, and he, was, he was called Dennis Thompson. And he was, uh, I was living in Bristol at the time then where, you know, so I have this kind of like long connection with, with Will. And, um, and Dennis Thompson was known back then for, you know, being very, very much uh, an inspirational. So, so yeah, he was a very low-key person in, in many, many ways, but he was totally, I mean, he changed changed how I looked up to people. Yeah, he was amazing. So that would be my, my specific, very everyday, but magnificent leadership. Mm. Wonderful. And just say yeah. his name again. And is he, is he still out there or no longer? I don't there? think he is. No, I think I think he's not. But Dennis Thompson. Yeah. If anyone is out there listening and knows Dennis Thompson, you will you'll be going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw the most wonderful documentary on Netflix recently about Ian Wright, the footballer and about his uh, teacher that, yeah. that saw the potential in him as a as a footballer and there is that moment when they meet in a stadium and because Ian Wright is stood about two tiers down there's a wonderful thing about status because yeah. obviously Ian Wright has really hu huge status and respect within the field in which he then worked but the teacher who 
uh, I think the documentary was made in 2014, so he's since died, but Ian Wright had the opportunity to turn round out of mm. the blue, see his teacher. And then the most profound thing was when he buried his head into the teacher's chest because he was just stood about three feet beneath him. But it was just a, yeah. one of the most beautiful filmic moments in a documentary mm. I think I've seen, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we all loved him. We all loved him. Yeah, he was amazing. I relate to that very much. <laughs> Wonderful. So we're still on the three. So music, um, and then actually, um, so music, music is just like, oh, it's, it's, I am a musician. Um, and, but I think you, I think you're kind of bought, that's, you're born with that. And it's in my blood. It's in my soul. So it will take, you know, a, a piece of music. It will take seconds to touch parts of me that like nothing touches that quickly so music is is my lifeblood yeah I mean I yeah so music definitely and there and is then, resonance here with Desert Island Discs in that this is with with stories rather than music but just while you're going there what would you say the iconic pieces of music that always grab your attention are I mean I love I love Rachmaninoff anything by Rachmaninoff I'm a I'm a kind of like I'm a <laughs> you know right man enough I do love a bit of Shostakovich Mahler um I can appreciate the maths in in sort of handle but you know not <laughs> but I love something that just you know uh Gershwin I, I'm very much a uh, yeah, I like the big, the big stuff, the cellos, the brass. The... I was going to say that the piano is your forte. See what I'm doing there? Because a lot yes. of those examples were about piano, first of all, which is your. Yeah, instrument. well, I do have one that. <laughs> and in fact, now you've moved your arm. I can see your Schumann. Schumann. <laughs> ah, so are you class? Are you? You're able to bang out a bit of Schumann on the old jam. I, I, I used to be. Yes, I used to be. I've sort of like dragged and dragged, I found some Debussy knocking around as well. So I, I was, you know, back in the day, quite good. <laughs> Not anymore. You are, you are a classic. You're a classical. Yes. Yes, I was. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Wonderful. So um, thank you for those examples. What else inspires you? So excellence inspires me. Excellence. Yes. Because behind excellence is the struggle to achieve that. And I know excellence very rarely comes easily. So I find excellence very inspiring because it speaks of the person behind it or the whatever behind it. So, yeah. Oh, that's lovely too. The idea of leaning into adversity to find the excellence. Yeah. It's the, you know, yes. We'll get onto this, but it can sometimes be the diamonds beneath your feet, which may be a struggle exactly. to pick up. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and I, I, the, the, the striving is what's important. There was a lovely quote recently that, again, resonated relevant to that, which is in, in life, the difference between what you want and what you get is what you do. And yes. so the story was, if you're yes. walking along a beach and you want a pearl, you can't just expect to, to pick one up. You've actually got to do something. You've got to dive down for it. That's right. And I was just thinking, actually, before you said that, I was just thinking what, what I, I think what I mean by it speaks of the person is it speaks of their character. It speaks of everything that it takes for someone to continue that journey to the point where you feel you've achieved the best version of whatever it is you're, you're trying to achieve. And that takes strength of character, perseverance, integrity, Lots of, you know, marvellous qualities that really enrich us as human beings. Yeah. And as, as a filmmaker as you are, there's that's the hero's journey right there. An obstacle presents the ring bearer. How do I find my precious, which is the excellence? I think all art is a series of 
challenges or problems or obstacles that you have to negotiate. I mean, all our, it just feels like, a filmmaking, particularly the logistical, it just feels like it's a constant problem-solving exercise. It's, it's, part of it is incredibly creative, but part of it is just trying to tap into that sort of like indomitable spirit of I will not fail. I know I can, it's not an option. Failure is not an option. It reminds me me also, there was an Eastern European mystic drama teacher that I was trained by at the Old Vic Theatre School called Rudy Shelley, who was a bit Mm. (laughs) Yoda-esque. Teach you will, I will. But he uh, pointed out a brilliant acting technique that all acting, all life is conflict. And when you come onto the stage, into the scene, you know, everything you're about to do is about the successful execution of your task or the failure of your task. Mm-hmm. That is the conflict. Will you get what you want from the people that you traverse across the stage to meet? You'll either get it or you won't. So it's how yeah. you overcome adversity to get what you want, which is a lovely life skill of itself. Yeah, yeah it, it is. I mean, I don't have any training at all. And I, and I, but I think that's one of the things that I have learnt, which is really, really interesting, Chris, is that's one of the things that they teach you, is that, you know, you just do learn that. You, you learn that that conflict, that point of connection and how it resolves or that point of needing something and how do I get it and what's stopping me is is just, is the catalyst for so many, so many stories. Yeah. And, and it goes just a little bit further into the idea that, uh, you know, the human condition is how we go about to make ourselves happy. And as we know, if you'll excuse this expression, people, we are all good, bad, crap or indifferent at that endeavour. Mm, yes. There's a lovely sage-like wisdom in that. It, life is struggle. Yeah. Yes, life absolutely is struggle. And I think that very much also depends on what you're trying to achieve to make you happy, which is a very profound um, uh, subject of you know consideration but um but yeah you're absolutely right it's what what do I need to make me happy and am I prepared to travel the journey to get me there um and I think that's almost a universal story of in that's almost the the thinking about it that's almost the universal human story isn't it like it's different it plays out in different ways but we're all looking for happiness and peace I think as well is what we're looking for so yeah um, very to that end, recently, in, during the pandemic, I was really struck by a lovely Marcus Aurelius quote, which is never worry about the future because you will greet it if you have to with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against your present. And then I took it a bit further. There's a really lovely email trail that I can recommend to uh, you and to, to listeners here on the UK Health Radio space as well, which is a, a lovely thing called the Daily Stoic. And it's just really good to remember to remember to be just present and stoic in how we overcome adversity. Yeah, I mean, that's gosh. Yeah, it's it's about, you know, it's a matter of will, isn't it? With so many things in life. It's a matter of will. And I also, I was thinking, not Will Goodchild, although many times... <laughs> it- <laughs> who is worth another mention, the lovely William Goodchild? Oh, often it is. <laughs> in another um, episode, by the way. So yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, but I think, I think very firmly aligned, I'm slightly segueing off here, sorry, Chris, but it just came to me, firmly aligned to that is, is, the, is hope. And I think hope is a very... And this also ties in with leadership. Hope is, hope is the power that we have to exercise the will because without hope, <laughs> there's no hope. Without hope, there's no drive to exercise that, the will to achieve. So I'm always thinking about leadership now, very, 
quickly, sorry. Um, I'm always very suspicious of leaders who don't offer hope because a leader who doesn't offer hope is not a leader. They're a dictator and they're a controller. And when you take hope away from people, that's only ever with the reason of wanting to control them. So a good leader will give people hope. And also, I don't know why I'm talking about that, but it just seems to align very much with that. You have the will and you need the hope to be able to achieve that. Yeah. The lovely yin and yang in that, because without Mm -hmm. hope, there is hope less. So it's not all like opposites, but I I love the fact that leaders need to bring hope. That's a really lovely adage about about leadership, which I agree with. Hurrah. Lovely sort of segueing riff there into stoicism and to worrying about the future and keeping hope alive. Lovely jubbly. So now two things. We're still shaking your tree here in the good listening to show and the life and times with me, Chris Grimes, clearing. So um, two things that never fail to grab your attention, which is a bit halt squirrels. And I noticed in one of your short films, I think it's um, you mentioned there's actually a, a legend that comes on the screen which says and some squirrels, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> the rescue project, I think it was. But anyway, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's um, that's the rescue show little thing that we did. Yeah, with Tallulah and Angus, the dogs barking and some squirrels. Yeah, and um, so two, so two things. Um, it's always. I know I keep going about people, but it's because people fascinate me. But the one thing that always leaps out at me, which shouts at me, is kindness. Kindness. That kind of, that, but that sort of quiet, um, private kindness that truly kind people are able to offer. Um, not the, oh, wasn't, you know, the moments of, oh, look at me being lovely, but kindness just, isn't it just the most attractive thing? It's the most attractive thing ever because it just speaks of someone who's immediately able to um, lose themselves and consider another person more, you know, as the prime thing in that moment. Um, so kindness just side you know it just blindsides me every time I come across the truly kind thing it just knocks me sideways I, I love it it's, it's and if an I may I'm, I'm hearing the currency of authenticity within that because you said look at me being kind is not what it's about <laughs> but even coming full circle back to the story that I just heard a couple of days ago mm-hmm. about the, the, the you know the person at the traffic lights in floods of tears the, the fellow human being just said I see you and mm-hmm. I held you in that space which is why it's such a lovely story Yes, in, in a private space that no one else was going to see of a car. Yeah, you know, there was no there was no reason to do that other than for that person. And then tied in with that, my 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 other thing um, is humility, um, because that again, <laughs> I often find, and I kind of I keep talking about Will. I kind of think about Will when I talk about this because he's a very very humble, insanely talented, but his whole. Uh, way of being is is very humble and he's also very kind and um <clears throat> and so i think humility again i i just find it's a showstopper for me because i find that the most truly talented people are often often not always but often the most humble and um it's that humility that gives people access to them and everything that they can teach us in a way that is it is empathic and it's, it becomes about us and not about them. And I think that's what the great thing about humility is, is it opens, it opens up people's access to each other 
in a way that can create something really rather beautiful. So, mm. That's a lovely quality of altruism in there about the yeah. kindness, not just to strangers, but the kindness and humility of those that are excellent around us. Yes. Lovely. And I love the fact it's about the quality of humanity, which are the things that never grab your attention. That's really rich as mm -hmm. well. Uh, we're nearly shaking your tree now. So that now it's the one quirky or unusual fact about you, Vanessa Bailey, actress, producer, director, that we couldn't possibly know about you until you told us. So I, I have elbows I can bend inside out. I could show you, but I don't know if I should. No, I think we should have a look. So if you want to then look at the film of Vanessa doing her. And what do we? Oh, Double jointed elbows, please. It, yeah, it's kind of double. It's kind of, it doesn't really come out very well on the, at this angle, but but you know, I can practically catch a bus around the corner. It's a I love that. <laughs> so, Vanessa Bailey, I can I catch a bus around the corner. Well. <laughs> so that was I catch a bus around the corner. I like that. Good. That's a good because people would say, well, what's the point of doing that then? So I can get a bus around the corner. The corner, exactly. So yes. When did you first realise you had double jointed elbows? Oh, gosh. I mean, I can remember <laughs> because I was leaning. I was at school and I was leaning on a table because both my elbows do it. And I just leant forward to look at someone's work or whatever. They went, everyone went, ah! <laughs> that's, that's when I realised. Oh, they might have been going, ah, because they saw you were copying because you said you just <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, yes. I leant over to look at somebody else's work. Found <laughs> you out. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag awkward. That's all great. <laughs> So that's a yeah. great quirky or unusual fact. Uh, Vanessa, I have double jointed elbows. Lovely. Lovely. So I believe we've shaken your tree. So congratulations for a very good shrubbery shaking in the dead of night in this dark scape of a night shoot of your tree being there. Lovely. The tree's deliberately very sort of existential and waiting for Godot esque. Mm, it's a beautiful tree. Lovely. You're welcome. It's yours. So now we've escaped your foliage. Now we're going to stay in the clearing, mm. move away from the tree, and we're yeah. going to talk about alchemy and gold. Amazing. Now. So when you are at mm. purpose and mm. in flow, uh, just tell me about your purpose. What are you here to reveal to the world? Oh, I love this question. I love this question. So um, what I absolutely love is pulling people together and seeing them doing the stuff they love doing well and being really happy in that space and achieving something that just makes them, makes them smile and makes their heart sing and makes everyone feel like we've just – you know, team, I think is what I'm saying. <laughs> what I really love is, what I love about filmmaking is, I love, you know, you've got this story and then you have to find the ingredients to make the story work. But not just to tell the story, but to tell the story that's going to really work its way into people's hearts. And to do that, you have to find the right people. It's like orchestrating a piece of music. You can't orchestrate it for any old instrument. It's got to be the right instruments at the right time and all of that so that's what I love when I'm on set whatever role I'm playing on set whether I'm acting or directing or producing or whatever <clears throat> I just you know you get that moment you'll know this Chris and you get that moment sometimes where you just take them and just, you just feel the room and it's just got this energy and it's not always you know it's difficult and there are challenges and people can get obviously you know but it's just that general feeling of magic's happening and these people are amazing and they're happy, even though they can't find the right gel for the light and, you know, where's the 
electric, well, we haven't got enough batteries, it, but there's a general feeling of creative being at home together, isn't it? It's feeling at home together, creating. That's what I love. Beautifully, deftly, eloquently put. Uh, I did describe you as being a force of optimism and a galvanizer of others at the beginning. And I think that is obviously one of your great skills to be able to bring together the dream team. I, I, I'm trying to avoid the really cheesy thing of saying that teamwork makes the dream work, but it sort of does in it, what you've said. It does. It does. And, and um, you know, when people say, oh, you know, well done on your film, I'm like, it's absolutely not my film. And it, it's, I didn't shoot it. I didn't do the makeup. I didn't, I didn't uh, suggest that great cut to my script. I didn't design the costumes. I didn't, you know, I didn't do the amazing catering that kept us all going. Um, I just came up with an idea and it's such a privilege. It is such a privilege to get the chance to work. I know I have a rule. I have a rule on, well, I mean, people always say, no, she doesn't. <laughs> She's making that. She's pulling that out of her ass. Oh, sorry. That was my, that was fun. But um, I have, I have this thing that I try to do where everyone on my set knows more than I do. I have to be the least, because when my very, um, you know, I have lots of gaps in my knowledge because I'm quite early to this and I have a lot to learn. So I need people around me who know much more about everything than I do. And that's the best way to work. That's an amazing way to work. I love that. that you said standing on the shoulders of giants, but surrounding yourself with greatness. Yeah, it is. Exactly. It, it, it is that. It's a very exciting place to be. Yeah. To be the conduit that su surrounds oneself yes. with greatness is a you know there's a re reciprocity in that because you've obviously you've got the germination of an idea which then fully blooms into the awesome project that you realize yes and everyone leans in together to make that magic happen exactly and what's so amazing about that is it's not painting by numbers then it's it's just right everybody grab a paintbrush and go because it's everyone's voice is then it should never film film or well, film, I think, is quite specific, really. It should never be because it has lots of people involved as opposed to, um, you know, a painting or where you're doing it yourself. But yes. it should never be about one voice. The one voice that comes out should be um, all the voices of everyone, every head of department, all intertwined to create that final voice that tells the story. And I love, like a tapestry, I love that. Also, it's just the true nature of ensemble where everyone is a, Yes. A key component part and a player within the realization of the the bigger goal that's yes. at stake here. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. In fact, the bigger goal. I can't resist saying I've been was really struck with what's happening in the world of football at the moment, and I'm not trying to get all blokey <laughs> football. But the idea of of uh, the sort of squad huddles that you're noticing much more this year because we've all been through such adversity, and the squad huddle done in the Welsh team's case is absolutely everybody. Yeah you know with gareth bale in the center just trying to bring everyone together which is Amazing. a lovely thing to see yes i love that the true nature of ensemble mm. about excellence lovely so um now um we're gonna give you a cake 
Vanessa Bailey. Oh, yes, please. I've got my tea. So, you know, I know it's only metaphorical, but we can... No, and literally tea for your metaphorical cake. So you can choose the cake flavour. It's a multi-layered cake, which I'll explain. So what what, what cake flavour are we going for, please? Chocolate. Sorry, that was a bit quick, wasn't it? <laughs> Slightly quick, but we like you for that. But it's clear. Chocolate. Wonderful. So you get to put a cherry on your chocolate cake, which is a lovely glacé mm-hmm. sort of forest gateau type effect yes. that you're going for here. So it's a multi-layered, multi-textured cake. And the final of the storytelling metaphors is deliberately multi-textured um even though it's not good to ask a multi-layered question but it's my show i could do what i like so this is open interpretation a big fat cake here it is and so this is um a favorite inspirational quote for example that may have pulled you always towards your future and given you sucker Mm -hmm. and it could be something like what best piece of advice might you give to a younger version of yourself yes and or so it's very rich, lovely, sumptuous cake. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? <clears throat> and then finally, inspired by Shakespeare, this is where the cheeky bit of Shakespeare comes in, and Jake Queen's in As You Like It, and all the world's a stage, and all the men and women, many players, and each man or woman in their time has many parts, their acts being seven ages. Vanessa Bailey, we can talk about legacy as well. How you would most like to be remembered. Well, <laughs> which layer should I start on? Um, so my mum did this clever thing, talking about what would I, I'm just going to, I might whisper a couple of those. Um, talking about what would I say to my younger, what my younger self. And I remember I didn't, I didn't notice, um, I'm terrible at maths. It's a reality. There's no, there's no being kind. I'm terrible at maths. I didn't realise I was terrible at maths until I got a U in my O-level. Remember those? (laughs) And the reason I didn't realise was because for some, the power of my mother's, the power of my confidence in my mother's um, perspective on me was such (laughs) that even though I was in set four (laughs) for maths, she'd convinced me that that was just kind of some oversight. <laughs> or a strategy and she said no Vanette, you're really good at maths you're great at maths so I kind of like carried on thinking I was great at maths until I realized I wasn't thanks to the um, examining board but one of, so but that was very powerful to me because it really liberated me at that point in time so what I would say to my younger self is um I don't know what what how that translates but it's about it's about not letting people tell you that you can't do things I think there's a thing there about, you know, I found that with filmmaking is people said, you can't go into acting because you haven't got any qualifications. You can't go into directing because you haven't got any qualifications. Don't don't wait for people to give you permission to be good at something. Just just embrace it. Yeah. I think that I think there's a sort of meeting of those two things there. Yes, don't wait don't wait for, for permission. There's no no one has the right to give you permission to do anything. So don't wait. I love the genesis in that and being right back to your sort of source of your mum's instilling mm-hmm. confidence in you. And it gets into confidence mm-hmm. mantras about how to overcome for the rest of your life, how to overcome obstacles of adversity or barriers that other people through their own limitations put mm-hmm. in your way. I love yes. that. She she was a completely uneducated woman. She left, you know, completely uneducated. But she had psychology nailed. I mean, she really did. So yes, yeah. And then um, I have a I have a quotation which is um, 
It's actually from the Bible, but it's such a great qu- quotation, which, um, and, and it is genuinely one of the things that, that keeps me going, because I think, especially in a time where we've become very isolated, we've be- be- begun to feel quite isolated and alone. I think a lot of people have really struggled in this particular um, point of time, it, you know, it, for our nation. Um, that that sense of separation has been quite profound for people. So there's a there's a little quote in the Bible that says, "Who can separate us from the love of God?" And I think just that idea um, that there is there is a love that you can never be separated from. So you are never alone. That because I happen to believe that that and it, you know I know some people won't, but that has. Um, that's really can be going. Like I'm never alone. I can never be alone. So and and people will have other things that they that you know other loves that um, uh, you know stop them feeling completely isolated. But that that's that's one that's kept me going through to through life through two terrible bereavements through you know lots of things. Just that knowing that you're not alone, I think, is really important for people. So that 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 quote has been a big one for me. Um, what else did you ask me, Chris? So now, beautifully, we're into legacy and how you'd most like to be remembered, oh, inspired by. I mean, it's, in some ways, like it doesn't really matter how I'd like to be remembered because I'm. It's already done. <laughs> People will remember me as they remember me, but how I would like to be remembered, and it feels. Doesn't it feel like it just feels rubbish saying it because like it's not it's not likely to happen. <laughs> but I would like people. I can't remember who said this. Is it Maya Angelou? That people will always remember how you made them feel. Someone said it. That's and and that couldn't be bad things as well. So that's a it's a very sort of you need to think about that. <laughs> But, you know, you can do all, all this stuff, and you, but people will always remember how you made them feel. And I hope that there will be at least some points in time. And I know there are many points where I have made people feel the way, a way I shouldn't have made them feel. But I hope that there are some moments in time where I have made people feel in, in some way something that has helped them, that has helped them. Yeah, that has been positive for them. Yeah. And by the way, you are indeed a sage. It was Maya Angelou that said that. So right. <laughs> they remember what you say, but they always remember how you make them feel. That's right. And you can attribute it to yourself, Vanessa Bailey, as well. <laughs> Beautiful sort of epitaph. I love that. And so now just we've got a, about a minute and a half left, I believe. So just where can we find out more about Vanessa Bailey on the Internet, please? Well, um, anyone who anyone who knows me will go. Twitter. <laughs> um, so, so I'm on Twitter. Um, I am I'm on Instagram. So I'm on Twitter at Vanessa Bales. I'm on Instagram. I have two accounts on Instagram. One is a slightly ranty private in, uh, Instagram account. <laughs> I'm quite ranty. And the other one is my professional <laughs> um, Instagram account uh, for the benefit of my agent. <laughs> um, lovely Sandy. And so that's um, at Vanessa NJ Bailey. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, yeah, and then I've got a website, Vanessa Bailey Director, and my production company, Nine Yards Films, of course. Nineyardsfilms.com, would that be? Or .co? Yes, .com. 
Because, no. Chris, we go the whole nine yards. Boom. <laughs> yes. Vanessa Bailey, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence here in the Good Listening thank to you. your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. And it's been an absolute pleasure welcoming you here to the clearing to find out your life's lessons learned along your way. So thank you very much indeed. This has been Vanessa Bailey. And uh, for those listeners here on UK Health Radio, to your good health. I've been Chris Grimes. Tune in next week for more stories from the clearing and goodbye. You've been listening to the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from the clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show, too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's at that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan, to your good health, and goodbye.